0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and today we have a somewhat wild story for you. As an individual in California has sued Twitch, the video game streaming service, for essentially being too arousing for his personal proclivities. Now, before we get into the substance here, and we are going to look at a couple of the articles describing this and describing the plaintiff in question, and of course the language in the complaint itself. I do want to say for those of you of the too-long-didn't-watch variety that the lawsuit in question is almost certainly going to be tossed. It is almost completely frivolous on virtually every angle. That being said, I still think there are useful things to take from it, especially for those of you that are YouTube streamers that talk about terms of service all the time. I do want to point out One specific failing in this lawsuit that is brought up to me time and time again in my comments and absolutely is an access under which Twitch can't be sued based on the terms of its own terms of service and would really require some equitable jurisdiction of the court if they chose to do so. So I still think this is important. I still think this is, of course, interesting and it's been reported on in a number of outlets naturally given its subject matter. So I do want to dive in. I do want to talk about why it's a failure of a case but I also want to leave you with some important information as to how it might apply to your personal use of various services in terms of services that might otherwise affect your life. Now, with that as background, let's dive in. This was initially broken a couple of days ago by a website called Dextero.com, which headlined the story as Twitch sued for $25 million over suggestive streamers Alinity, Pokimane, and more. And then they go on to summarize exactly what's happening here. They do a little bit of what we're about to do in this video. But I did find it interesting as I dived into the complaint to note how kind of frivolous it was, what the problems were with what it was saying, that a couple of other outlets actually reported on this particular plaintiff. I've pulled up the Australian Kotaku website. The new lawsuit against Twitch is completely wild, where it was familiar with this particular plaintiff. Eric Estavillo is back. And they say, if that name doesn't ring any bells, he's been around a while. A quick bit of background, a decade ago, Estevio once dubbed the PSN plaintiff, filed a lawsuit against Blizzard for sneaky and deceitful practices in World of Warcraft. What were the deceitful practices, you might ask? Walking. Estevio's previous suits targeted Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony twice, none of which succeeded. What I wanted to do was exploit the weakness of each console and show that they're not impervious to flaws. Each console has a flaw and they should fix it. So at least in this particular plaintiff's kind of brainscape, what they think they are doing is performing a certain public service, that they are essentially a professional whistleblower. And like we've talked about in this space, Really, no product or service is perfect. A lot of people come into my comments and ask, hey, can you sue about false advertising with respect of The Last of Us? Can you sue over these terms of service being changed for the Ubisoft contract? And often I have to say no. That isn't a likely winner. You can, of course, sue anybody for anything. This video was initially titled, Anybody Can Sue You, and then talking about what the actual subject matter of this was. But... Even with that as kind of the background, no, these kinds of lawsuits aren't likely to be a success because they don't actually articulate what the law would consider to be an actionable claim, something that is illegal, something that is a breach of contract, something that this other party has inflicted upon you that you deserve legal redress for. And even though you might think all of these are problems, and they might be, they don't necessarily rise to the level of legal infringement, legal breach, or criminal illegality. So let's talk about what this claim actually says. As you can see, it was filed in the Superior Court of the state of California in Santa Clara County by Eric Estevillo versus Twitch of Amazon Inc. Now, we're going to see at the end of this that this was actually filed pro se and pro per, meaning this was Mr. Estevillo actually drafting this and filing it through the court system. So this wasn't, gone through by another attorney. This wasn't issued by a law firm. This was essentially him acting on his own recognizance. And when you have that happen, it's important for the justice system to not just toss these out in the trash, to just say, because you're not a lawyer, you don't have an actionable claim. You don't have something that was done to you that deserves legal redress. But it does mean that it probably doesn't comport with what we would expect from a kind of legal standpoint. And that means that a lot of pro se and pro per actions are thrown out by the court or otherwise that the court doesn't have something that they can do in respect of the actual complaint. And I strongly suspect, as you will see in this video, that that is what will happen here. But I also don't want to say just because it's pro se means that it's wrong. There are a lot of good and important actions that are taken, particularly by folks that are imprisoned and others that don't necessarily have access to attorney and access to justice kind of resources that they probably should in a society like the United States, but that they don't and they issue these kinds of complaints on their own. That being said, this does wind up being pretty frivolous. First, they claim jurisdiction and venue and all these other good things, and then they have the statement of facts. The plaintiff has been a Twitch Prime and Turbo subscriber for years now, whom also suffers from depression, OCD, panic disorder, agoraphobia, and Crohn's disease. And because of these maladies, he heavily relies on the internet for all of his entertainment purposes, as many others do during this difficult time. And due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many people have to stay at home for entertainment, all capitals, he's, he's serious about this part, and are quarantining themselves, including the particularly vulnerable, dash children. As for the plaintiff, he only leaves his house for Inflectra infusions, having to deal with his Crohn's disease. Otherwise, he's always on the computer, constantly using and watching Twitch. Mr. Estevio suffers from sex addiction due to his obsessive compulsive disorder that makes him obsessed with sex and compulsions. Twitch has extremely exacerbated his condition. By displaying many sexually suggestive women streamers through Twitch's twisted programming and netcode, making it nearly impossible for the plaintiff to use Twitch without being exposed to such sexual suggestive content. There is no way for the plaintiff to filter streams he'd like to watch based on gender, male or female. Therefore, the plaintiff has to choose a game and or category to watch with thumbnails showing these scantily clad women alongside men of being the only streaming channels available to him. Now, That's the overall baseline. This gentleman says he has a sex addiction and Twitch makes it too easy for him to fall off the wagon with respect to this particular addiction. Now, the very first thing that you should be saying to yourself, if you've been in virtual legality at all, is what duty does Twitch actually owe to to Mr. Estevio? right? He's clearly an account holder. He says he's a Twitch Prime and Turbo subscriber, so there is a contractual relationship between Twitch and Mr. Estevio, but do they owe something of a duty to avoid having this type of content on their system? Now, we're going to get to things that are pretty close to making a claim, and we're going to show why they probably fail, but that's the very first question when you have one of these kinds of lawsuits, or really any lawsuit in the legal system, is you don't have a legal right to remedy if the other party didn't have some kind of duty to you, whether that's contractual, whether that's as a member of society, you know, you're not allowed to do violent acts against another or their property or otherwise violate the laws and that can have civil liability as well as criminal liability. But you have to have some obligation to the other party. And when we're talking about commercial relationships, that becomes tricky because as we will see, the terms of service of Twitch are designed to allow Twitch to do certain things, and to evidence a certain agreement between Twitch and the party that is streaming, but not necessarily another third party. So when we talk about prohibitions, when we talk about rules that Twitch has about what you can put on their service, those rules and prohibitions aren't built to benefit somebody that isn't related to what is going directly onto their service. It's what we might call a third party beneficiary in the terms of the law, and that is where Mr. Estevio is really going to run into trouble with making this claim. It's also worthwhile to note, as we have done in previous lawsuit-type look-throughs, that a lot of this paragraph doesn't actually talk about legal things of consequence, right? The fact that Mr. Estevio has these other maladies doesn't matter to this particular claim. The fact that he has to stay at home for entertainment doesn't matter. The fact that children have this access doesn't matter. He is not a representative of a class. He's not representing children. Just trying to make Twitch look like a bad actor doesn't actually change the legal analysis required here. So this is all kind of, I think, useful in his mind to establishing that Twitch is evil and needs to be punished, but that's not really how the law and the court system is supposed to work, with rare exception, as we've talked about in prior videos, where you do have a kind of equitable claim where it is useful to establish that you're the good guy and they're the bad guy. That's not what's happening here. This is a commercial contract claim. This continues for a little while, but you get the basic gist. Twitch helps facilitate this person's addiction, and he feels like he deserves some kind of redress of a financial variety, as you saw in the article, $25 million. And because he won't get that, he feels like he is otherwise aggrieved. Now, he does point at a few things that he thinks should matter to the court. He says, Twitch just doesn't care as they should, and as is explicitly written by their own lawyers in their own terms of service, where they say, use of Twitch by minors and blocked persons, the Twitch services are not available to persons under the age of 13. If you are between the ages of 13 and 18, or between 13 and the age of legal majority in your jurisdiction of residence, you may only use the Twitch services under the supervision of a parent or legal guardian. Nudity and sexual content in embedded media and games, and then they go to a different kind of non-terms of service, what we would see as community guidelines, which we will also look at in just a second. But they have some additional language here that basically says what you expect from Twitch. Twitch says you can't do these things. You can't put up sexually explicit material. You're not supposed to do these things. And he says Twitch is not enforcing its own rules, and that harms me specifically. However, as you can see from the screenshots below, Twitch did not permanently ban these violators of their own terms of service, as all of these female streamers continue to operate and influence kids under the tender age of 13, which again is not him, and the court isn't going to pay attention to that. You don't get the rights to bring a claim on behalf of another aggrieved party. You can try to establish that Twitch is a bad actor, but that doesn't actually relate to your specific claim. As you can see, these women continue to expose viewers who just want to see people playing video games to all sorts of bad stuff. Now, we are actually going to skip what amounts to, I think, 22 or 23 pages of this material because I will admit, having gone through it, it's pretty lascivious in places. There are images, there are instances where Twitch is clearly not banning people, not otherwise punishing them for things that would appear to violate their own terms of service. But that doesn't... Make a legal claim. Claims in harm. The plaintiff who suffers from sexual addiction has suffered much worse given that Twitch has exacerbated his condition. The plaintiff's username on Twitch is the uh, real Eric Estevio, and he is following exactly 786 female streamers while following zero male streamers with that number continuing to grow as the plaintiff has little control over his addiction. Twitch does not limit how many female viewers a customer can follow via their website. Attached to this lawsuit is some applications of sex addictions and health forms, which depicts many examples of previous lawsuits in which case law is well-established depicting those companies such as Twitch as being held liable for their misconstrued and devious actions if done with extreme disregard for the consumer's well-being through negligence or fallible company policies. Listed below are examples, although a bit graphic, that are of the utmost importance to display how Twitch's lax policy enforcing has harmed the plaintiff by not filtering out these sexually suggestive women and their content. Now, we are going to skip that particular description because it is very graphic. But suffice it to say, what he says there is he hurt his eyes by staring too hard, and he hurt his computer because of the way that he was using it in respect of looking at the Twitch material. Again, we don't arrive at an actual contractual breach. We don't arrive at a duty here. He's trying to establish that Twitch can't function in this way. Of course, if you are on the internet, you know that a number of websites do expressly function in that way. And so the actual claim being made is that this particular business says that it won't. And so the fact that it is, is uniquely harmful rather than any of the other websites that the plaintiff could access. I'll be honest, I don't think that's a winning argument. And when we actually get into the reasons why he thinks that it is, we'll see even more why that is the case. Twitch's policy service reputation. Twitch already has a shoddy reputation, as can be gleaned from each of their current prime services below, of which all underdeliver and some outright defraud the consumer through nefarious measures, practices, and policies. So now we get into a little bit of extra, right? We've already made the main claim, the sex addiction claim, and now we're trying to say, also, Twitch doesn't deliver what they promised. With Twitch Turbo, you'll never see ads, with the exception of front-page takeovers. Twitch partners and affiliates still get credit for ad impressions when a Twitch Turbo subscriber watches their channel. However, Twitch violated plaintiffs' rights to avoid seeing ads because when he was erroneously banned from certain streamers' channels, he had to create another account in order to see what was being said in these streamers' chat rooms, as Twitch has recently begun denying Turbo subscribers the right to even see chat rooms when banned for any reason whatsoever. Twitch has essentially taken away the whole chat feature system already in place from any banned Turbo subscribers that are still paying for their ad-free Turbo service. And now, in order to engage in these chat rooms or to even at the very least see the chat, Twitch Turbo subscribers must now create a non-Turbo account to see the chat rooms, which now all include ads. Now, keep that particular claim in mind. We're going to see why that's probably not the best thing to say in your contract breach claim, because what he just described, starting another account to avoid Twitch's security features is in and of itself a contract breach on his behalf, which is just not a great look for when you're trying to establish that Twitch is the really bad party here. Then he says that Twitch Prime free games with Prime essentially don't give me any good games and they aren't comparable with Xbox's Game Pass. And so they should owe us because the games are not the games that I like. Then we get to the end, the request for relief He wants a permanent ban of all the female streamers listed above. He put a list in with respect to those screenshots. And $25 in punitive damages. Now, I want to take a step back there. Punitive damages are not direct damages. He isn't claiming that he has somehow suffered emotionally $25 million worth of damages. He is saying that court, because Twitch is a bad actor, because they have inflicted this wrong on me and society, what I would ask is that you punish them punitive meaning to punish you would apply 25 million dollars in damages to them not because they have hurt me in that amount but because we need a big number to actually make them stop this practice to be split between the plaintiff and other twitch prime turbo subscribers now that implies that he would like to be representing the twitch prime turbo subscribers but nothing that you see here actually establishes or asks for the certification of a class of twitch prime turbo subscribers so he's got that issue from a legal perspective And then he says, with any monies left over, so we're already unclear there, if you've got $25 million in punitive damages and you're going to split it between you all, what is left over? That's just $25 million divided by number of Twitch Prime Turbo subscribers. What are you talking about now? With any monies left over to be donated to COVID-19, Black Lives Matter charities, and funds of the court's choosing. Not usually a role that the court takes on. There are some exceptions where the court orders an actual charitable contribution of a plaintiff, but... As you can see here, this is the kind of thing that you get when you get a pro se or pro per type filing on behalf of an individual. So let's actually dive into what is happening here and why it doesn't work. And we're first going to start out with this generalized claim that Twitch is violating its own terms of service, right? That it has this language in its terms that it is not following. that that harms me and we can go and we can look at the twitch terms of service this version is modified as of may 29th 2020 any previous version would also apply here but i don't think the actual language we are going to talk about is anything that would have been changed this has the standard kind of items we have talked about the twitch terms of service in respect of other stories here in virtual legality before but what we are really concerned with in this particular context is what are the prohibitions what rules does it put on its various users that It might not otherwise be actually asserting against those users. Prohibited conduct. First, you agree not to violate any law, contract, intellectual property, or other third-party right. You won't do anything illegal, and you won't steal from other people. Nor will you commit a tort, and you are solely responsible for your conduct while on the Twitch services. You won't use Twitch to, like, swat people or otherwise commit crimes. Thank you. You agree that you will comply with these terms of service and Twitch's community guidelines. So that's kind of incorporating the community guidelines into the Twitch terms of service. So Mr. Estevio is right there. And you will not create, upload, transmit, distribute, or store content that is, among other things, obscene, pornographic, or otherwise objectionable. Now, as the court, especially the Supreme Court in the United States, has famously said, actually defining things that are obscene or pornographic is difficult enough in itself, right? It's the, I'll know it when I see it standard up even at the highest court level. And then you add on otherwise objectionable and you're really just talking about what the folks at Twitch think is objectionable, which is one of the areas where we have discussed political views and how YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and Twitter treat those things. And this language mirrors a lot of what is actually in the Communications Decency Act 230, which is what protects all of these platforms as we have talked about in other contexts. But this is one of the primary areas that Mr. Estevio is trying to say, Twitch isn't abiding by. They aren't getting rid of these things. And so why can't I bring a claim that I have been harmed? Now, we also want to bring up the second issue that we talked about. Put a pin in that one because he says, I have been banned from these various chat rooms and I can't see them. It's worth noting here, as we talked about, that that's its own breach where you agree in the terms of service not to circumvent features that enforce limitations on the use of Twitch services or user content, and you agree further not to attempt to circumvent any content filtering techniques we employ or attempt to access any service or area of the Twitch services that you are not authorized to access. And starting a new dummy account is the kind of thing that is likely to qualify as circumvention, especially when the court is very likely to just kick this out on its face. Now why is the court likely to kick this kind of claim out on its face that comes with this bit of language that you will see in virtually every terms of service that you interact with on a regular basis and it says as follows to the extent permitted by applicable law twitch takes no responsibility and assumes no liability for any user content or for any loss or damage resulting therefrom Nor is Twitch liable for any mistakes, defamation, slander libel, omissions, falsehoods, obscenity, pornography, or profanity you may encounter when using the Twitch services. That in the law is what we talk about when we say a sentence is directly on point, right? This is exactly what the Twitch lawyers are going to put in their response. They're going to say, your use of the Twitch services is at your own risk and we are not responsible for these things. And even more... We say that these rules do not create any private right of action on the part of any third party or any reasonable expectation that the Twitch services will not contain any content that is prohibited by such rules, right? Their lawyers knew what they were doing when they said all of this. Look, we established these rules because we do want to control our service. We want to have the right to ban folks for doing these kinds of things, but not only Will we be making judgment calls on a regular basis? We are also hoping that this thing gets huge and we probably won't even have the capability to know of every violation in every corner of the platform. So we are not going to give you a representation that what is prohibited up above won't actually appear on the service. That's between us and the streamer, not you viewer or someone else unaffiliated with Twitch. You are not the party to whom that contract relationship actually attaches. And so when you see this bit of language, when you see the claim basically saying, Twitch isn't abiding by its own rules and it harms me, when you expressly have agreed in their terms of service that these rules do not create a private right of action on the part of any third party or any reasonable expectation that the Twitch services will not contain the content that we prohibited, you've basically lost the war before it started. And one of the reasons I wanted to make this video is because that's an important concept, right? I did this video earlier this month that talked about the fact that YouTube had demonetized Keemstar, was demonetizing Tipster, various other people that I didn't, have a lot of familiarity with in the YouTube space. And a lot of people commented on the fact that X or Y of those individuals and more are evil and YouTube did the right thing, et cetera, et cetera. But we talked about the fact that how can they do this to Keemster and this to Tipster when they're different? They're different judgments. How can they do this to him and not to him? And the answer is, is that YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube gaming and everything else, they don't have to abide by what we would otherwise consider due process. They aren't the government. They don't have to try to treat everyone equally. They can determine for themselves that Kingster is more valuable. They can determine if they are Twitch, that Alinity or Pokemane or whomever is brought up in this particular action is more valuable than enforcing those prohibitions directly. And you in fact see that, right? The cynics among us, the people that will respond to this video cynically will say, of course, Rick. The people that make them money get a wider berth. The people that don't, don't get that a berth. And that's not news. That's intuitive for everybody. But it's still important for folks to understand. When Twitch has these kinds of terms in their terms of service, they are not prohibitions that are designed to benefit the outside party. They are prohibitions designed to give Twitch weapons to use against potential user content generators as they see fit and not as they don't see fit. Finally, the reason why this is a significant loser is because Twitch has already disclaimed all the warranties and all the limitations of liability that they would want. This is provided as is. We make no claims about what is actually a part of this service. In no event shall we be liable for any direct, special, indirect, or consequential damages or any other damages of any kind. Now, we've talked about this. This is the kind of language that is often in these types of agreements. I will say it's probably questionable that Twitch can disclaim direct damages. If somehow Twitch as a service has directly damaged you, meaning that it has actually physically damaged you or emotionally in some other way. And you can point to it was because of something that Twitch did that uh, broke my computer. Twitch was mining things and my computer melted down and it cost me $2,000. That's the kind of thing that the law is going to look askance at. And you probably can't disclaim just with the language in your contract. But special, indirect, or consequential damages, things like punitive damages, things that aren't related specifically to Twitch did X and you lost Y, but instead are, well, and because I lost my computer, it's not just $2,000. I was going to get a client in here that was actually going to be worth $100,000. So Twitch actually owes me $102,000. That's when we start talking about consequential damages or special damages, or Twitch needs to be punished. I'd like $25 million. That's the kind of thing where when we talk about it, Twitch can probably disclaim it in a bit of language like this. Although, as people come into my comments and say all the time, your jurisdiction will vary. Certainly Europe, Australia, some other places, they don't like these kinds of disclaimers. They don't like these kinds of limitations. And those jurisdictions might look askance at them. And that's why you have language in here that says, hey, if this isn't effective, we limit it to the maximum ability afforded to us under the law. Finally, they also say, hey, if all of that fails and you still are owed damages from us, we don't owe you anything more than whatever you've paid in the 12 months before the claim, which certainly isn't $25 million. So just on those bases. Just on the terms of service and the main kind of set of claims that Mr. Estevillo makes here, it's almost certainly a loser. But there is at least one portion of this that I thought was at least potentially something that he could have worked on and could have been presented differently. And that's in respect of this, right? He brings in the community guidelines, which as we talked about in the terms of service are actually incorporated by reference. So these do have some kind of legal authority. Twitch has said we restrict content that involves nudity or is sexual in nature and are committed to ensuring that twitch is not used for sexual exploitation or violence i think there is a potential claim i think it's still a loser but it's stronger in the law to say if twitch has these kinds of publicly facing documents and if they advertise on this basis if they tweet about the fact that they are doing these things if for instance their ceo in response to a whole terrible weekend of news items puts out emails and mail chains that talk about what they are doing to keep content off of their service and to prevent bad actors from enabling things on their service. If they are using that as marketing, I do think you could bring a claim that says to the extent they fail in this and deliberately or willfully or with under gross negligence or some standard that you would bring under the law, to the extent they fail at this, maybe... It's some kind of deceptive or false advertising, some kind of unfair business practice, right? And I still think that's a loser, but I think you are closer to making that claim when you say they go out with this kind of marketing and they utterly fail than you are to say, I am owed something under these terms of service when there are three separate sentences that say I am not. That is going to be an almost impassable hurdle. And you are going to have to defeat that in order to even bring the claim. So yeah, you get a lot of kind of uh, gnashing of teeth, a lot of uh, ambiguous statements in various articles saying, oh, I wonder what'll happen with this lawsuit. I can't make guarantees you hear that a lot in virtual legality who knows what any given judge would do or any given jury would do but this is as close as i can get to a guarantee this is frivolous on its face this kind of action is a very likely loser the history that this particular plaintiff has of bringing these losing claims against all sorts of major international companies suggests that he probably understands that it's a loser at the outset And so I do think it's not going to amount to much of anything. It's going to get kicked out in court at the summary judgment level. And to whatever extent that they actually apply penalties to a pro se litigant like this, the court is very likely to do so. That doesn't mean, even with a silly case like this, that we can't learn things about how business and law and contracts and terms of service and software and platforms like Twitch and Facebook and YouTube actually operate. And so I hope this was informative. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, thank you so much for checking it out. Please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends we're here. We're talking about these kinds of things all the time. We just recently talked about IGN and having issues potentially forcing its reporters to report things that they couldn't verify in their news outlets. We did a number of postmortems on The Last of Us Part Two that we completed over this last weekend, which I highly recommend checking out. The first one has 15 minutes of spoiler-free content at the top, talking about basically our review of that game, if you're interested in that kind of subject matter. Otherwise, this is what we do in this space. We analyze business and law through the prism of video games, movies, television, and pop culture, hopefully bringing just a little bit of enlightenment to those news stories that you're reading anyway, and a little bit more understanding as to how all of this works together. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.